Hola, bonjour, hello. Let me ask you a question. Do you think it's possible to have a word language class where instead of teaching the language, the rules, and the vocab, you and your students use the language to enjoy learning about each other and the world? I hope your answer is a big yes, because that's exactly what you will discover inside Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. My name is Claudia Elliott, a Spanish teacher born and raised in Colombia, who is as passionate as you are to support our learners to grow in their proficiency and cultural competence. My goal is that in this podcast, you find clarity, strategies, ideas, and inspiration that you can bring into your classroom the next day. Are you ready? Get comfortable while I grab my cafecito colombiano and let's start this conversation now. Hola, bonjour, hello. Welcome to a new episode of Growing with Proficiency, the podcast. I am excited today because we have more than 10,000 downloads because of you. So thank you so much for listening. It just means the world to me. Okay, so today in our episode, we're going to talk about gallery walk. Gallery walk is a great strategy that gets your students moving while they engage with different tasks. I discovered gallery walk a few years ago and I use it mainly for presentation but then I discovered how I could use gallery work for more much more than that and that's why I'm here today recording this episode to share with you five different ways to use gallery work in your class but the success of gallery work is not only that you allow students to move and, and engage in a much more active way But the success also is that we design these gallery works activities with the pillars, foundation that work and make sure that our activity is really conducive for language acquisition, is really supporting our students. You know that I have three pillars in everything that I do in my class. So the first one is comprehensibility. And that means that when I'm using gallery work and my students are reading or listening to content, to language, that language has to be at the level of their abilities, at the language ability level. That has to be comprehensible for them. Otherwise, you're going to find your students just walking around without any focus, with without any engagement, because they don't understand what they're reading or what they're listening. So that is the first one. We need to stay comprehensible. The second one is that when we ask our students to complete a gallery walk task, we have to have some meaning attached to the activity because communication should be at the heart. So either they are reading, they're writing, they're discussing, when they're using the language or they're reading the language has to be a message inside that they're attending to, that they're wanting to listen or express, not only to practice language. And the last one is connection. So I am always trying to connect with my students, but I'm also trying to build trust and confidence. So when we do gallery works, I always think about what do my students need to be successful in this activity? Do do they need maybe to have to work with somebody else so they found that support? Do they need some linguistic scaffolds so they're able to produce? Do they need some dictionary with them? What do they need to be successful? 
So besides that, how amazing this gallery work activity is, I think the success is when we do gallery work and we make sure that we have those pillars. If you want to know more about my pillars and my framework, I invite you to go to growingwithproficiency.com forward slash and download for free my guide. It's growingwithproficiency.com forward slash my framework. I think I forgot to say that. My framework. Okay, so let's start talking about each one of these activities. So the first one is image gallery work. In image gallery work, you are going to set up different images, different pictures around a space. It can be your classroom or it can be outside your classroom. I really like my students to be outside my class. It brings novelty to my students and it, it gives us a different type of energy. So when I'm doing picture image gallery work, I usually put it in my hallway or I go to the media center or I go even outside. Now, usually when I do image gallery work, it's a silent activity, which is great because it can be in the hallway without disturbing my neighbors. Okay, so let me explain how I do it. I pick up like maybe eight or 10 images and I put the images around my hallway and I ask my students to complete a task related to that image. Okay, let me go back a little bit. When I say 10 images, it can be 10 different images or it can be five images duplicated. Why? Because I have big classes and I want my students to spread out. I don't want six students looking at the same image because that's not going to end that well. I want maybe two, max three students per image. And that way I know that my students will be more focused, really completing the task that I'm asking them to do. Okay, so you have the images, spread them out as much as you can that, you know, of course you can see your students and then give them a task. So this is one, I'm going to give you a few ideas for tasks. One idea is descriptions. You can give them a paper with different descriptions related to the topic that you're discussing in class. Then your students have to walk around, look at an image and find the description that matches that image. And they're going to write down the number next to the description. I like to use this activity to use vocabulary context to review maybe parts of a story to review books, to re, to um, hook, like as a hook for something that they're going to see in the upcoming chapter. So it's different ways that you can structure that uh, activity. Now, a couple of things when we're doing that. You may be thinking, okay, Claudia, what about if a student show the other one the numbers? Of course, they can do that. But the, the key here is that if you spread them out enough, if it's in silence, if they have enough pictures where no more than two students are per picture, the probability is going to be less. Again, remember what I said at the beginning? It has to be comprehensible. So my descriptions are going to be comprehensible. If I have to close my descriptions, I don't have a problem doing it. And what I mean by that is if I see a word in my description that may not be um, that may be new for my students. And I know that it will be harder for them to infer them by context. I just put an asterisk and at the bottom of the paper, I put what it means because I want them to meet my students to be able to understand what they're reading. Uh, and if they understand what they're reading and if they're moving and if they have the images, they will likely do it by themselves. 
I also like to put a timer. And I I always make, you know, kind of like say this, I don't want my students to totally complete the activity. So I put more images that they can complete. And the reality is some students are going to be faster than others. So I say like, at the end, I want all my students to complete at least four images, but I have maybe six and that gives me room. So when time is over, I said, some students say, oh, I only have four. Tengo solo cuatro, señora. And I say, that's fine. That's perfect. Four is enough. And then I bring them up and we debrief and we share in the class. Now, when we share in the class, it's so much richer conversation because most, all my students are going to be able to complete and to be able to share with the class and collaborate and co- and contribute to the discussion. Okay. Now, for extra connection opportunities with writing, this is what I like to do for my advanced students. Instead of me giving them the description, I have them to write the description. And I like to do this with purse. Usually I do this for my upper levels. I give them some scaffolding always. So even my student that is the one who struggled the most will be able to, to write something, right? Like I don't want blank papers. I don't want them to be totally disengaged. I want them to set them up for success. So I put the images around and I give my students like a word bank or some sentence starters or even sentence frames. And I said, go and select a picture. And then students has to write the description. Listen to this one. If they're working with purse, I give them two minutes for each student to write a description. Then they're going to talk to each other and they're going to share what they write, right? Like they're going to share what I write. And then they're going to create a third description combining both elements. I love that because they're going to feed about each other. And then you can do much more with that. You can discuss about the themes that are connected with each one of the pictures and just take it from there. I like that activity with my IB class because the standard level of their oral is describing an image. So this really helps them for that activity. I have them as a junior year. They don't take the test until they're seniors, but when they're seniors, they're more used to describing pictures and connecting with the theme that we're talking. We are, this moment, we are reading the novel of Maria Cano from Adriana Ramirez. I've been talking about that a lot because it's just great. And I did that. I gave them different uh, pictures of, you know, uh, workers working in a banana banana plantation. I think that's what you call. I also gave them pictures about people doing uh, the strike on the street or protesting. And then using everything that they we have done, they were describing the picture first and then connecting with the themes. That's what they have to do for the standard level oral. But it's a great way for students to be moving around, to be in a different space, to work with somebody doing gallery work. Okay, now let's go with the next one. This is question gallery work. And I discovered this uh, by listening to Cult of Pedagogy. And I think it was episode 29. It was some, some, the, the ones at the beginning, but I can put the link in my show notes. But the question gallery works is just taking a set of questions and put them around this place. <laughs> and it's, it's just so much better. So I was 
every time that we do some reading or some listening, then at some point, my students have to answer questions. But instead of giving the questions and say, sit down and write and answer the questions for seven minutes, you post the questions around your class. You post the questions around the hallway. You post the questions around the media center. And you have your students to go to the questions, read the question, and answer. Now, possibilities are endless. And I'm going to give you a few. One, I want to post many questions, like at least 15. But I want my students to answer less than that. So there is kind of like a choice implied that it brings more engagement of my students. They're not like, okay, you need to answer the 15. I put 15, you need to answer eight. I give them a piece of paper with like a table and in one, they need to write the number of the question and then in front, the answer. This is what I really like to do for my upper levels. I like them to answer the question and then if we're reading something, find the evidence on their text that support their answer. <laughs> this is all right. And I like to do that in pairs. And I assign the pairs. I say one, two, one, two, one, two. And they say you stand up and you work with your partner. It is that, that I think that's one of my favorites way to do like comprehension questions because my students, I can go and help my students much more. And I like to put like, um, different level of questions. Some questions are like very like, Question words, kind of like who, when, what, what. So they're very simple, but there are more, others that are more difficult. And I like to sit around those questions because I know that my, some of my students may have trouble, but it helps me answer that. And again, super important that we put a timer. And at the end of the timer, I don't do more than 15 minutes. That 15 minutes is tops max. I call the class in. And some of them say, I only answer seven questions. That's fine. That's fine. Because I don't want them to be like looking around. And the students who did eight and say, okay, answer two more because I have plenty. So it's a great way to differentiate. Now, like as I said for the image gallery walk, when I do question gallery walk, my share, like my class discussion at the end is so much richer. And I love when I put, when I ask for the quote with the evidence. So I, they answer the question and say, okay, so what is your evidence? And then they start giving me different evidence. And it's really a great way for my students to have much richer conversations when they did it by themselves first, finding the evidence and then sharing with the class. So that is question gallery walk. My third one, I think, is conversation gallery walk. And is a great way to have this uh, interpersonal activities, uh, interpersonal communications, really small conversation with our students. Now, I do similar to what I explained in the image. And as basically, I have my students, I put topics or questions or prompts around, right, around. And I have my students to go to maybe three. They go with a partner. They go and look at the prompt. They kind of like jot their answers, write some answers related in specific minutes. And I want them to do everybody at the same time. So go and find your question. Okay. Everybody's with your question. Now you have 90 seconds to look at your question and answer or the prompt or the topic and write anything that you know about it. And then my students are going to start a conversation about the topic. It's going to be one-on-one or maybe up no more than three. Remember what I said at the beginning? 
I give them the scaffold. So if it's a conversation, I give them ways to say, oh, can you repeat that? Or can you expand that? Or did you mean? And I model this before I send them, right? Like before we do this as a class, as a group, so they know what I want to see. And I model several times. I model how to respond, how to ask the question. And I give them time when they write. And then when they finish that, they can move to another topic and then we do that. And it's a, it just really gives me much more, um, a better view of my class rather than when they're sitting in my class. Much better than when they're sitting in my class. Now, you can do that in writing. So it doesn't have to be oral. You can put the prompt and your student can respond to the prompt on the paper and then the other student respond to the paper you can have this like all these prompts around and then the students go choose a prompt respond and then they go and see another prompt with the response of another student and respond to the student and the prompt like i agree with you because blah 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 and i when i do that i have them to sign their names so they go to the prompt, they respond, they agree, they disagree, they respond to the question, and then they sign. So when the next student comes, they refer like, oh, I agree with you, Lily, because blah, blah, blah. So that is another way to really promote interpersonal in much more safe way. And when you add the timer, when you add the movement, is less risky for them. Okay, so that is the conversation gallery walk. The next one is brainstorm gallery walk. And the brainstorm gallery walk is, you know, whenever you're going to review or you're going to, you want to know what your, what your students know before you start the topic. So again, you create some, um, with a poster, maybe with a, a piece of paper that is bigger than a letter paper. It may be a legal size paper and you create the themes or the topics that you're going to be covering or that you cover in your unit. Uh, so I'm going to go back to Maria Cano, the book. I'm going to say society. I'm going to talk about the company. I'm going to talk about the government. I'm going to talk about the workers. I'm going to talk about Maria Cano. Maybe I'm going to talk about Ignacio. I'm going to talk about the union. And I'm going to put all those. To- I'm going to talk about Colombia. And then I'm going to put those topics around. And then I have my students to go and find a topic. And each student is going to write anything that they know about the topic. And they're going to keep writing and adding and adding. So you're brainstorming. But instead of you are in the front of the class and everybody is telling you and you're writing it, everybody's moving around and writing ideas, which in my experience really makes my students, more more of my students participate and engage. Because sometimes when we have whole class, it's just few of them that are participating. And Imagine the possibilities. Now, if you're like me, I love to listen to podcasts and audiobooks. And sometimes when I hear something that is kind of compelling, I like to pause it and think about it. So if you are at that moment that you're like, oh, this sounds interesting, pause it for a little bit and think about how can I use any of these ideas in my class using the material that I'm using. I also like this that is kind of low prep on us. Sometimes when you're using images, you have to print it. But when you're not even using images, you can have a paper and write the questions, the prompt, and put tape, and that's it. Your setup is ready. And then give them a piece of paper and say, write the number of the prompt, and then answer uh, to keep some type of accountability. Okay, 
The last one is how I started gallery work. And it was presentation gallery work. And I explained it a little bit. But the idea is that instead of presenting to the whole class, there are going to be eight students or eight group of students presenting to small groups simultaneously. So what I like to do is I like to divide my class in maybe three or four rounds. So the first round go my first seven students or my first four groups, depending on how I'm structuring the activity. And then they are going to present about their project that what they were doing. And the rest of the class is going to be audience. Now, I said it again. It's very important that we give a purpose. So why I'm presenting? Because I want to convince you maybe that my product or my person is the best one. I'm going to do uh, something, a project about the Afro-Latinx bands or singers. And my students are doing a research on a specific one. And then they're going to present. And they're going to present with the purpose of us selecting which band would be the best one to bring to our school for the prom, right? Like it's just, I don't know, it's not real, but that's that's kind of like the purpose. So my students who are presenting are trying to convince them that their group is amazing. And the ones listening, I needed to get the information so we can select which one is the best. They need to have a purpose for listening. It's, again, it's really making sure that we are staying comprehensible, that communication is at the center, and that we are setting up for connections, trust, confidence in our students. And when we do all those three, these activities are really, pretty successful. Okay, so... That's what we do. And I put a timer too. So I said presentations cannot be longer than three minutes. And then sometimes depending on the level of the class, I have the audience to ask two follow-up questions. And then what happened is that my first round, each student is presenting, uh-oh, something sound, but I'm not going to edit this. I'm so sorry. Uh, okay. So I'm going to continue. Um, each student is going to be presenting several times. So when I'm assessing this, I always start with my students that are the strongest. And that way, I'm giving opportunities to the other students to get relaxed, to rehearse more one more time, to present, and do it several times. So by the time I get to them, they're feeling pretty confident about their presentation. Now, I did this too, not as a round, but as a whole, because during the Hispanic Heritage Month, and they didn't do it in person. They did it through Flipgrid. So my students chose a person, place, or product related to the Spanish world. And then they create a presentation. They create a visual. And then they record about the vision, letting our students know about that person, place, or tradition. Pro, a person, person, place, or practice. And then um, they create the video. And I was able to download the QR code. And I put the visual that I designed about the person, place, or practice with the barcode below. And we did a gallery walk school-wide. So this is something that we did as a department. And then we put all these beautiful projects around the uh, main hall in my school. And anybody could just grab their phone and scan the barcode and listen to the presentation. And it was amazing. And the fact that my students knew that they were going to, that somebody else was going to listen to their presentation to learn something about the Hispanic world was so much more compelling. Uh, so there are many ways to do it, right? Like it's endless, the possibilities. But the idea behind Gallery Walk is that our students engage with different modes of communication, with different tasks in a much more active way. 
that is going to allow them to be more engaged and more successful. Okay, so let's recap. We covered five different ways to incorporate calorie work in our classes. The first one was image calorie work. The second one was question calorie work. The third one was conversation calorie work. The next one was brainstorm gallery work. And finally, presentational gallery work. I forgot to mention that the presentational one with the flip read, I learned from Heidi Trude. She is amazing. And I think a year ago, two years maybe during the summer, she came to my Facebook community, Growing with CI, and she shared with that about that project that she did, I think, for her French class in the art um, unit. And I'm like, this is amazing. I'm going to do it for the uh, Hispanic um, Heritage Month. And she's like, of course. And she came. So I'm going to put the link to that session in the show notes so you can see that and, and kind of like understand the logistics and the take part. But that was such a success in my class that you can really incorporate for any topic in your class. Okay. That's it for today. Thank you for tuning in into this episode. And I hope that you found these strategies for using gallery work in your classes helpful and inspiring. And if you're excited to bring more movement, interaction, engagement, I really encourage you to give these activities a try. And of course, share with me how they go. And if you found value in this episode, please help me spread the word by leaving a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts because your support helped me really reach more language teachers like you and support them in their classes. So again, thank you for being part of Growing With Proficiency, the podcast. Thank you for listening. Mil y mil gracias. Espero que tengan una feliz semana. Have a great week. Y nos vemos pronto. I'll see you soon. Chao, chao.